We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll, joined by our recruiting director of recruiting at Irish Breakdown, Ryan Roberts. And we are going to preview here a pending decision by offensive lineman Sullivan Absher of Belmont, North Carolina, South Point High School. Six foot seven, 285 pound offensive lineman who is going to be making his decision here soon on CBS Sports. So we will carry that when he goes live. They are going over his film and things like that right now. So we'll bring that up when he is ready to rock and roll. But Ryan, let's just quickly uh, just give a little three finalists today, Notre Dame, NC State, Clemson, just give a little quick backstory on how we got here. It's really a Notre Dame Clemson battle, but just kind of, just kind of give a little backstory as we, as we wait for Sullivan to, to, to get pulled up here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's obviously been a Notre Dame Clemson battle for a long time. I, I have been on the forefront that I always thought it was Clemson by a, a pretty good margin, to be honest, for a while there, even dating back to when he visited in January. But I felt like for the blue and gold game, that really kind of flipped the script on everything. Right. And I feel after that visit, they vaulted in front of Clemson, which was a, a surprise to me because I thought he liked Notre Dame, but I thought it was a clear yeah. Clemson let's, decision at that point. Ryan, so. let's go here real quick. It looks like yep. he is talking. So, feeling today. Let's do it. I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing great. Hey, your final list, which you announced recently, narrowed it down Everybody to that here? three NC State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. How tough was it for you to narrow it down? I mean, it was tough. I mean, um, I was fortunate enough to be put in a situation where I had a lot of great options to choose from. So, uh, there were some long conversations about narrowing it down. And here I'm about to narrow it down a little bit further did everybody get to have some input in that conversation i mean you see your whole your whole family's there with you oh yeah they uh they all put in their two cents it was like i said some long thoughtful conversations but i think we figured it out all right so when you look at these schools and you're trying to figure out where you want to go what's the most important factor that you were looking at um, honestly, the, the first priority for me was the, the education that you could get at each one of these schools. Uh, that's the way my parents brought me up, and that's what the, the first and foremost, that's what I was looking for. So how much does being close to home factor into the decision that you're about to announce? 
Um, it was it was a little bit of a part, but my parents uh, ultimately ultimately left the decision up to me, and they said, "It's your choice. We don't care how far it is. So you go do you." Okay, Sullivan, we are minutes away from you making your commitment. Stay right there. We're going to come back to you shortly. Sullivan Absher, get <laughs> freaking CBS. All right, so let's Ryan. Let's get back Ryan, to it. Brian, so why were you, why were you laughing during the? During uh, that, uh... I'll, I'll explain afterwards. Oh, I know. I know. I, <laughs> I think know exactly everybody knows. <laughs> Um, so obviously, as we said, got on campus January 29th, coming out of that, Ryan was adamant on the message board. Look, I, I don't, I, Notre Dame's in a good place here in that they're in the group, but it's a Clemson battle. I even had some sources on both sides, Clemson and Notre Dame side that had told me that there was some thoughts that he might've even given Clemson a silent commitment at one point in time, just to push back on the notion of that. Some people said, well, Notre Dame's been leading the whole time. No. So Coming into that blue and gold game weekend, Ryan, that was Notre Dame sort of la- – there was – I even had somebody um, sent me a report that somebody from a Clemson moderator who who I like uh, had even reported there was a, there was even some thought that he might even cancel that visit, but Notre Dame was able to convince him to come. So then going into that weekend, Ryan, that was Notre Dame's last chance to really, to really make a move. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how that went. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was incredible, honestly, is, is just the – thing best word for it you know it was it was a it was a change it was a big changer in, in where that recruitment was heading in my opinion because you got all the layers we've, we've talked a lot about you know what what Notre Dame did at the blue goal game from a perspective of alumni that were able to touch base with a lot of these recruits the atmosphere I mean it was 70 something degrees at Notre Dame that, that day as well which doesn't hurt anything from a, a young man yeah. coming from the Carolinas so a lot of layers kind of checked off and then he also has a great relationship with Monroe Freeling, who has been there for a couple times now. And although Monroe isn't, you know, committed to Notre Dame and, and hasn't made his decision personally, I think it's just the, the comfortability of kind of just being there with people that they've been with in, in the visits in the past. So I, I really felt like after that visit, that just completely flipped the scratch, uh, flip the scratch, flip the script on that. Rec- I don't know what scratch is. You meant yes. to flip the switch, flip the script. Yes. Yeah. You, you yes. got caught in between metaphors. I get I it. Did. It happens to me all the time. So, you know, it was kind of interesting, Ryan, it, it wasn't even coming out of the visit. I mean, during the game, I was getting text messages about how well it was going. Like, I mean, it was, it was pretty wild. They really, really knocked it out of the park. And it, it just, it was impressive to go from, you're trailing to the point where he may not even visit to coming out of that visit. He was the clear leader. I mean, Notre Dame was the clear leader for him. And so, you know, we're going to find out here soon if they were able to hold on to that lead and seal the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Sullivan will get a chance to make his decision. But, you know, this is also a kid, too. I think we need to we need to emphasize, you know, people get into rankings and all that. And some have them on three has them ranked 99th overall. Others have them outside the two, top 200. Some don't even have them in their top 250. This is a kid that Harry Heastan got on right away. He was one of the first kids that Harry Heastan went down and visited in person. He's one of the kids that that even when they were tra- – like, look, the board was so impressive at one point in time offensive line-wise, Ryan, and still kind of is, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. that they could have just dropped Sullivan Absher if they didn't think he was really good because they were – that's how bad they were trailing Clemson at one point in time. They could say, oh, we'll just, we'll just go somewhere else. They didn't do that. That's how high they are on this kid. This is – this is clearly a kid that Harry Heastan is likes a lot. I know the offensive staff likes a lot, and they made him a priority. And we can get into, you know, whatever's ranking is, but there's no question. And Notre Dame does see him as a tackle that could move inside, but they they view him as a tackle in this offense right now. And 
and uh, clearly a, a big time prospect for them. So let's, uh, I think they're getting ready to go to commercial. They're like waving and stuff and doing all that. So I think they're going to go to commercial. So um, this was a top priority, right? For Notre Dame. They, they clearly made him a top priority and, this is one that they wanted to close on, and uh, it's going to be a big statement. And it's also – he's number two of a three-guy battle that Notre Dame and Clemson have had. Notre Dame won the first round with Sam Pendleton. They won that one so convincingly that Clemson did what we just talked about Notre Dame potentially doing, which was bowing out. You know, the, the thought of, you know, maybe you should just bow out and, and save face and make it look like you didn't lose, which is a, a good strategy to have, especially if it's a local kid. This one, they both battled to the end, and uh, this is going to be that second opportunity for Notre Dame to to potentially take away another guy from Clemson, and and hopefully, and there for Notre Dame standpoint, they're not going to have to to play against Sullivan Abshire at some point in time down the road. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, the kid's an impressive player. I mean, 6'7", 290 pounds. Like you said, they view him as a tackle. I think he could be a really darn good guard because I think he plays with you know great pad level and physicality. Kid's a big-time player. And he's an important player too, Brian, because he has the potential to play tackle, right? Like you got Sam Pendleton, who's a really nice interior player, but you need to make sure you get some tackle types in this class, right? So getting a guy like him, I think the fit makes a ton of sense. He's a high academic kid like he just talked about already, right? That education is obviously a top priority for him. And uh, yeah, he's like you said, he's been a guy that they've been on for a long time. And I know you also said there's a little bit of a difference in his ranking. I say 
right. top 150, top 200. Yeah, I think he's in between easy. the two. I think he's I, I, I think he's better than top 250. I don't quite have him top number 91, 99. I have him kind of in that middle range, like 150 to 200. Because, and the reason I have him that low is because of the fact he comes from an offense that it's hard to really project as much of, you know, I, I can't project what he's going to be as a pass blocker because I've never seen him pass block before. I mean, I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but you get the point. He comes from a veer offense. And so that's one of the things holding him back. But I love the size. I love the toughness, the physicality, the demeanor. I think he's a good athlete. There's just enough questions about we don't see him working laterally enough to really know. Let's get back to this one here real quick. Sullivan, tell us where you're headed. All right. Uh, well, it's time, guys. So uh, we're going to be going to uh, University of Notre Dame. Now Mama's happy. <laughs> Four-star offensive tackle Sullivan Absher announcing that he is headed to the University of Notre Dame here on CBS Sports HQ. Trying to fake us out there with a little <laughs> bit of a Clemson grab first, but uh, then goes for the Fighting Irish. Uh, Sullivan, congratulations. What was it? about the Fighting Irish that, that makes it the perfect fit for you? Uh, it was honestly the uh, the safest option, for uh, lack of a better term. But uh, on the football side of things, you've got one of the best coaching staffs in the country. You've got the tradition of Notre Dame football. And then on the other side, you've got the Notre Dame degree, which I believe holds a lot of weight. Obviously, a guy who's done his homework when it comes to where he wants to go. Of course, you mentioned the Irish, 11-2 and last season under Brian Kelly. And now, of course, that new head coach, in Marcus Freeman. So, talking to the Irish fans, tell them what do you bring to this team? Uh, I'll bring whatever they need me to. I'm, I'll be, I'll play left side, right side, guard, tackle, wherever I need to go. <laughs> oh, that's good. A jack of all trades. Is there a player, uh, Sullivan, that you model or admire your play after? Um, well, it, it's tough being in the, the triple option offense, but hmm. I really like the way uh, Trent Williams plays. So when you look at now that the decision is made, how does that shift your focus now? Um, it's time to get to work. I mean, uh, recruiting other guys now. <laughs> Anybody in mind? Uh, Monroe Freely, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, Sullivan, congratulations. All the best uh, with your team as you uh, move forward uh, in high school football there in uh, South Point and, of course, as you get set to make the move to the Fighting Irish. Thank you. Sullivan Absher, the newest recruit for Notre So, Ryan, that is going to be it. Sullivan Absher has committed to Notre Dame, and that is two for two, and you nailed it. He is calling out Monroe Freeling. He wants Monroe Freeling to be next. But let's first – let's talk about what kind of player, Ryan, that you think Notre Dame is getting in Sullivan Absher. Let's break down his game. We've done a full film breakdown before, so I'm not going to pull the film up on this one, but we're going to talk about his game first and then talk about how he fits into Notre Dame. So let's really dive into this. That's yeah. what, what, what kind of what kind of victory is this for Notre Dame? And what mm -hmm. what is it that you like about Sullivan Absher? Because you you have liked him as a player from the beginning. You just didn't necessarily yes. like where Notre Dame stood with him early on. A absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's said perfect. I, I feel like we both have really liked his game for a long time, you know, and the thing that pops out to me and he mentioned it a little bit is I think he has versatility. I think that he can play tackle, but I think he could really be a good guard, too, if that ends up where he goes, which is a weird kind of proposition to move inside potentially for a six, seven guy. Like you don't usually see taller guys working inside, but the, the triple option offense that he plays in in high school is not advantageous to, like you said, to projecting, to be an, uh, to be a pass blocker. But what it does, man, is he clearly understands angles. He has great pad level 
and he's a physical, physical run blocker. So there is a really nice baseline, and he has a great frame. I mean, it's really projectable. He's 6'7", 290, and it's still pretty clean. Like, he's going to be 3'10", 315 before very long. Like, he has that type of upside, in my opinion. So this gives you right tackle, maybe, guard inside. But, like, but I mean, I think more importantly, you hear just the, the young man he is, right? Like, he talks about making, a like, a good decision on every side, and wanting to get to work. That's what I see when I see Sullivan Apture is I see a worker. I see a guy that is going to be physical. He has a little bit of a mean streak to him, but he's a he's a tone setter for me in that run game. That's why I think maybe guard might be better long-term, but either way, I think you get a versatile piece and a guy that could fit either a tackle or guard with a lot of upside from a potential perspective because I think his frame has a lot of room to grow as well. Well, I just I, I laughed at the beginning of of his video because he's like, you know, it really just came down to academics for me. And then then the guy asked him about, you know, close to home. And he's like, it was at first. And it's like, OK, well, there's no question where it's going now. Right? I think he kind of gave it away with those two. But, you know, you're right. You're getting a versatile kid. I think the biggest thing for me that I want to focus on about what you just said, Brian, is I think there needs to be an attitude change among the Notre Dame offensive linemen. And I think that's something we saw this year. The big question that we asked going into last season was, what are we going to see from the Notre Dame offensive line now that the Harry guys are all gone, right? Who were recruited by Harry, who were developed by Harry early on, who worked with Harry in the offseason before 2020, they were all gone. So the attitude, the demeanor, the toughness, the finishing, the the the, the just the competitiveness, the physicality of that group was, what was it going to be like? And we saw what it was like this year, and it was not good. You know, not physical, not firing off, not finishers, not like quarterback gets knocked down. And there's three defensive players arrived at the quarterback before the offensive linemen get over there. And, you know, we kind of started to see it change a little bit down the stretch when the schedule softened up. But there needs to be an attitude adjustment at Notre Dame. And that doesn't just come with what Harry Heastan's doing as a coach. It comes by recruiting guys that are going to fit that style of play more. And there is no question that as much as we love Freeling and, and Jagasaw and all these guys, this is probably the most nasty kid that they're recruiting. Just his disposition of how he plays. Like you see the smiley, fun-loving kid with the curly hair. That is not how he plays football. And, and, and I love that. Like he is a guy that wants to bury you. He wants to drive you 20 yards off the ball and then put you on your back. And I think that yep. kind of attitude is something Notre Dame absolutely needs more of when it comes to offensive linemen. And I don't think that can be overlooked at all. That's a very important piece to this, in my opinion. Well, I think when you look at some of the other players on the board, like I think of like Monroe Freeling, I think has some finisher to him. But I mean, you're you kind of just gaze at the athleticism for a second. You're like, wow, that kid moves really well. A Elijah Page out of Arizona, like just a really technically sound player, good athlete. But there is only a couple guys in this class that are, the finishers that you talk about, because they just, they, I mean, every, I feel like every play they're putting someone on the ground. And that's, that is what Sullivan Absher brings to this game. And I think that he has potential because I think he's a good, I think he's a good athlete. Like I think that he gets up to the second level really well for his size. Like he's a pretty, he's a really explosive kid in short areas. Like his, his initial explosion off the line. And a part of it's a part of, I mean, it's a part of the offense that he comes from because you're asking for guys to, get out of your stance quick and stay low and attack leverage and angles and 
all that stuff in the offense he plays, but that's a big plus side for him right now. Right. And that's something that you don't really need to develop. Like this kid, I think really early on is going to understand angles and he's going to understand pad level. Those things are easy. And then from there it's, Hey, Matt Bayless, we need to get this kid stronger. Right. We need to get him bigger. And then Harry Heastan has the, you know, the technical side of the game, especially in pass protection. So right. there is upside for here, but I also think there's a couple things early on that immediately to your point that he's going to come in and he's going to inject right. some, some, nastiness to that room there's no doubt about it it's what makes him important it's what makes sam pendleton important it you know it, are there better offensive linemen in the country than sam pendleton yeah are there kids as strong as him not a ton uh are there better maybe better offensive linemen than sullivan absher yeah are there guys that play with his disposition not many that's right. why he's important that's why charles jagasaw is important that's why monroe freeling is important because we talk about monroe freeling as a pure left tackle but you know he's a kid that plays with some physicality, and I think I think mm-hmm. Sullivan Absher is a big part of that. I I do want to talk about one part of the athleticism. You talked about the explosiveness, and I completely agree. Yeah. His vertical explosiveness is there, but I still have question marks about the lateral quickness and lateral agility because we just haven't seen it. You don't see. There's it, a right. few reach right. blocks that you see. You know, like okay, there's a little something, but that's a little different than you know how is he going to be in a pass set against a, an edge rusher in in the pass game? How is he going to handle having to block Keon Keeley in practice? Right? I mean. That's where we're going to see how that can be. So I do think there's still some question marks there. I think there's also some things that he's going to have to work on from the technical side. This kid doesn't make do many combo blocks. It's just not a part of what he does, right? Uh, His hand play in in a veer is a whole lot different. And he talked about that. I mean, he's aware that playing in a triple option limits some of the things he can do and show. That was something that like, wow, okay, that, that got me. Like, okay, that kid he realizes where his game is at. He understands that there's things I got to improve upon. So his knowledge of, of who he is and the offense he plays in, and he didn't say it in a, in a way like, oh, I hate the triple option. Like I say it, it just, it's more of a, like, this is what I'm asked to do. And I'm not asked to do some of these other things. And so I thought that showed me a little bit of self-awareness too, which I pre I like. And, and that stood out to me as well, but you know, there are some question marks and there's going to be a, he's going to have a bigger technical adjustment to make than most kids that they're going to get in this class, if not all. Right. But I think the things that the size, the frame, he says he's up to 300 pounds is the latest I heard. He's a big boy. I mean, he's going to be 310, 315 when it's all said and done. And, and you, you, you add that to a class, to a, to an offensive line that that's another thing Notre Dame's needs more of is I, I'm not someone that believes you have to be like 330 across the board, like Bama and Georgia, that's a different type of offense. That's a power row, you know, gap, you know, scheme where you just you've got to be able to physically be have brute force. Notre Dame doesn't run that offense, but it is nice to have the athleticism plus three ten to three fifteen, and that's how I see Monroe Freeling being. And and as we've always known, Harry Heastan loves long offensive linemen, and he certainly brings that to the table as well. Well, and it's a great point because I feel like we've talked about the length of the defensive line classes coming in, but I mean. We, Notre Dame could be in a situation where if you close now on now that you have Sullivan Absher in the class, now you have Sam Pendleton in the class. If you close on a Monroe Freeling, a Charles Jagasaw, and let's say an Elijah Page, for instance, right? Your shortest guy, your least lengthy guy at that point is Sam Pendleton, who's a high school offensive tackle that is six four plus and relatively solid length for a six four and a half type of player, right? So. Notre Dame is adding length at the offensive line position again, and that's why I think there's a lot of projectability to it. I think that Sam Pendleton, I mean, um, Sullivan Absher is a guy that, like you said, if he gets up to 315, 
I could see if Notre Dame's able to land a Monroe Freeling, I could see Monroe Freeling being the left tackle down the line and then Sullivan Absher mm-hmm. being the left guard next to him. Like, and mm-hmm. they're buddies. You heard it at the end, and I loved it, man. I loved it. So, Monroe Freeling, where are you at? He's already recruiting for Notre Dame right now, and we know that their relationship is very good. So this is a big moment for Notre Dame, and I think in a lot of different areas because I think that it, it's not a it's not a package deal by any instance, but having that relationship with Monroe Freeling, I think does help for if we're, when we're talking about what's next after yeah. this, right? Yeah. And and we'll get into that here in a, in a little bit for sure. But I, I think that absolutely is a factor into this. And, you know, so when, when you talk about the positional fit, I mean, I, I think it'll be basically starting at the right tackle and then moving inside if the need arises. I, and the way that Harry Heastan has done it in the past for kids like this, he gives them a full year un- unless there's a chance to play right away to, to, to see if they can fit a tackle. Like, so that, that's something I expect to see. I expect him to get, unless he just is really not comfortable at it. But I think the combination of his length and size and, and height combined with the fact that I, Harry Heastan is going to know that this kid's going to have an adjustment to make. Like you don't take him from a triple option offense. And by the end of his first fall camp, be like, well, he can't pass block Keon Keeley. So we're going to have to move him to guard. I mean, he, that's just that could potentially be an issue for him. So you give him a little bit more patience as you work with him. Now, if you see that he just doesn't have the foot quickness or whatever the case may be, then that's a different story. But I don't expect that to be the problem, although that's a bit of a guess and a projection. You don't often see guys that are as quick vertically as him look like a stiff when they have to pass it. You just don't see that a ton. Uh, you, you every now and then. So I mean, but so I think that's the thing is tackle and then guard. But I I, I personally like him better guard. I, I it, Again, but that goes off of the film. It's the film we've seen. I can't tell you how much I like him as a pass blocker. But yeah, I just I, and the reason I like him at guard, it's not a lack of athleticism. It's not a lack of anything. It's just a I like that demeanor, that disposition, that nastiness. I like that inside. Well, and if I, you if you can have a mover at guard, Ryan, because Notre Dame's a zone team. If mm-hmm. you can have a mover at guard in the zone, that is huge. It's not a coincidence. That Notre Dame's two best rushing years, from a not just a yards but a, a big play standpoint, happened to be two years where they had Quentin Nelson and Steve Elmer at guard, and then Quentin Nelson and Alex Bars at guard. It's not a coincidence that 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 happened, it, right. because those because Alex Bars, as we've shown on film before, could move. Mm-hmm. He could move people off the wall. He was three hundred twenty plus pounds. Quentin Nelson was three hundred forty pounds. They can move, and that to me is so. When I talk about him being a guard, it's not a it's not an argument from a position of he can't do this. It's a because he can do this. Not that there's not merit to that at tackle, but I love it at guard. So that's kind of why I have always said that I like him at guard. But I, I you're definitely going to give a six, seven, 300-pound kid an opportunity to play tackle. Yeah, it, it's always been a disposition thing to me, right? Like I think people think when you're trying to move guys inside, it's because they lack length, they lack, lack athleticism. That's not it with Sullivan Absher at all. I think that he has – plus length I think that he's a good athlete I think he could play tackle in a vacuum I like him inside a guard just because of those things I talked about right the the pad level the physicality he plays with I he just love he's he's a mover like he's a people mover and I think that that's where his traits lie best it's like the Trey Smith thing for Tennessee a couple years ago right great offensive lineman doing a really good job for Kansas City he has tackle traits, but what he does best kind of parlays inside a little better. And I think that that might be long-term for Sullivan Absher. I can see him being a successful tackle in the, in, uh, the college college game. I could see him being a really good guard. All I know is that Notre Dame got a guy that I think is going to start at Notre Dame at some point. Like, I mm-hmm. think that he is a 
a little bit of a developmental guy because like we're saying technique you you need to work on it because there's just some things that he's not asked to do we don't know if he can do it or not right it's just more that you need to make sure that he can right, right. and then physically i mean if he's six seven three hundred pounds right now as a still a high school junior physically he's going to be close to ready to compete on the college level when he gets there the question from there is how technically sound is he at that point but either way i think you're getting a starter long term for notre dame here yeah, and, and when we talk development, for me, that development's like a year. It could it could just be a year. It's not like he's going to need four years. It's just because in a lot of years, he's a kid physically, size-wise. Like, he's going to have that natural 300 pounds coming in. He's going to have that natural strength. He's a kid that in a lot of ways could be an early to, to battle for a job guy. It's the, it's the scheme change. There's not going to be anyone on this that they're going to sign that's going to have a bigger change in, in culture, not culture, uh, scheme, uh, mm-hmm. attitude, like all that stuff is just, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of things that have to change when I look at it. When I talk about attitude, it's not, it's not the demeanor I talk about. It's just the attitude of playing in a zone is, is different than the attitude of playing in a, in a, in a veer, because you know, the, the attitude of what I'm referring to is in zone, you're always looking to who am I working with? Who am I working with? In the veer, it's a lot of, I'm doing this. I have this. I have this. Right. And so that's going to be an adjustment for him as well, because it's a timing thing. And that's going to be, to me, the biggest adjustment he's going to have to make is the timing. The timing of working with someone else is way different than what you're going to do in the veer. And so how quickly he can pick that up is going to determine how quickly he can push his way into the lineup. But this is a really, really good football player, in my opinion. There's no doubt about it. You said it perfectly, and there's just going to be some things that he's going to have to work on early on, and it's not even a fold of his own, and it's not a limitation thing at all. I mean, if you watch his film, there's a lot of down blocks, and there's a lot of cutting, and there's a lot of those things because that's what the veer kind of calls for, right? Mm-hmm. So but when you evaluate the traits, six seven, good arm length, good athlete, tenacious, everything's mm-hmm. there for him to be a good football player. There's no doubt. Now, just so you all know, too, he committed during the Blue Gold game weekend. So I got a I got a text at halftime saying, "Hey, just so you know, Sullivan Absher just committed." So I was like, "Okay." So that's why Ryan went and put on the board, like, "Hey, we're hearing things are going really well for Sullivan Absher." Because I I called him from the from the booth and I was like, "Because uh, you were down in the stands," and uh, I was like, "Hey, let's get something up here real quick because things are going really really well." So. That's what made it so amazing as we wrap up the part about Sullivan Absher, and then we're going to talk about what's next for Notre Dame on the offensive line and before we take some questions. It's you went into that visit with a kid who kind of considered canceling the visit. And before the second day was over, he had already committed to you. Like my understanding is the commitment happened before the game. I found out around halftime late in the first half. So that is the impressive thing. And, and, and again, what's different now is it's not just Harry Heastand. In the past, and we've said this before, in the past, it was Harry Heastand was the guy responsible for the offensive line class. He did a pretty darn good job of it. But now it's not just Harry. Chad Bowden was all over Sullivan Absher. Loves Sullivan Absher. He's been on him since January. Tommy Reese has been involved with Sullivan Absher, but Harry Heastan and Chad Bowden especially were two guys that put in work, work on Sullivan Absher. So 
not only did they come from behind and put themselves in position, which is what we say, because we don't, we don't steal kids moments, right? That's just not what we do. And props to the Notre Dame beat. Cause I know a couple other people had gotten word at one point that week and they committed to, and uh, for the most part, we kept it, kept it in check, you know, so, so good for them. But, you know, by the time that it, this moment came, it was, it was a foregone conclusion, but he did commit during that weekend, but man, like less than 24 hours. He's on campus less than 24 hours, and you turned him in from strong Clemson lead to Notre Dame commit, and Clemson tried hard to get him back and made no headway, none. Yeah. There was never a doubt, and that that's as, that's as impressive as anything. Like I thought, I think I might have said this to you. Well, we'll see how it, when he gets back home. We might have right. said it to Vince. We'll see how it is when he gets back home. Never wavered. I mean, it same was thing with, same thing with Rodney Gallagher, right? Like I mean, when wears yeah. off. Yeah. It was done. I mean, it, it, that shocked me more than anything. Yeah, because I mean, anytime you get a kid caught up in the moment, oh, you know, I had a great time. Notre Dame's pretty cool place, beautiful weather, the environment, the atmosphere that day was. I mean, it was fun. It was electric. It was like a, a, an actual game day. It was phenomenal. And then the, you know, so I get, I get the emotional. I'm going to commit that weekend. I really was kind of expecting him to. Uh, think twice about it, but he didn't. I mean, it never wavered. Like Clemson gave up between now and the 13th. Like they knew they they were done. They knew they had no chance. And that's that's the power of the of the O line U brand that Harry Heastan built. And but now you've got a Chad Bowden. Now you've got a Tommy Reese. Now you've got a Marcus Freeman. That's all part of this. I mean, goodness gracious, it's it's going to make Notre Dame very hard to beat. Very yep. very hard to beat. No, but, it's it's. It is ahead, a staff Ryan. of it's a staff of relentless recruiters. That's what it is. From the Chad Bowden director of recruiting up to every every coach on that staff, and now to the players. I mean, again, we've heard a lot of things about different players being. I mean, I put on the board the other day that Braylon James has just been a rock star since he committed. You mm-hmm. know, just relentlessly recruiting guys. I know I talk to Adon Schuler all the time, and he's a relentless recruiter too. Cedric Irvin Jr. These. These guys want to put together the best class in the country this year. They want to put together what they perceive to be the best Notre Dame class ever. Like that's the goals that they have, and they're on a good they're on a good little stretch right here. It's obviously yeah, you know no what's next and all that good stuff, but right. right now this is a huge victory for Notre Dame. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that a little bit. The what's next aspect of the offensive line. So Notre Dame has now two. North Carolina offensive lineman, which is interesting, Ryan. They had not signed a North Carolina offensive lineman since the 2012 class when they signed Mark Harrell. They hadn't signed a guy from sort of that East Coast area from like, you know, Maryland, the DMV, down to the Carolinas since 2014 when they got Sam Mustafer out of Maryland. So quite an impressive feat. You've now got two kids from the Carolinas with Clemson offers, with North Carolina offers, with NC State offers. We talked about with Sam Pendleton, he had Penn State, Michigan, schools like that were coming after him. Sullivan Absher was mostly in that the, the mid-Atlantic area, you know, the East Coast region, and after him hard, and he picks Notre Dame. So Notre Dame now has two players in the class, one guy that is a pure interior player in Sam Pendleton, and then Monroe Freeling, who's a right tackle to inside type of player. So what's left for Notre Dame? One guy that's not going to be part of this conversation is Samson Okanlola. I mean, we've said this for a while and, and feel even stronger now that there's just no interest there on his end. And Notre Dame, I think, is going to be able to live with that because there's some really impressive guys on the board. Yep. Right now, Ryan, I would say that there's four guys on the board. And, and correct me if I'm missing someone. Right now you have Monroe Freeling, who Sullivan mm-hmm. Absher talked about. We'll discuss. 
You have yep. Charles Jagasaw, who we've talked a lot about. We'll talk about more again. Elijah Page, who's going to be visiting the first weekend of June uh, mm-hmm. for an official visit. And then recently, Notre Dame offered Joe Otting, who is an offensive lineman from Kansas. So we'll talk about him as well. But Notre Dame needs two guys from that group. And I would say at least two guys. I mean, four is the is the number. Five is the is the uh, ideal. They really like to get five. But four is the minimum, the need, right? And I think you need to get at least one guy from the Freeling Jagasaw group, and, and then you can get another one. The, the, the dream scenario is you get Freeling Jagasaw and then one of the other two players, either Elijah Page or Joe Otting. I believe, yep. based on the intel we have, that all four of those guys are takes. It won't necessarily be first come, first serve, because there's no way in heck they're turning down Freeling or Jagasaw. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that those are the four guys right now that Harry Heastan is zeroing in on the offensive line. So let's begin with the guy that Sullivan Absher talked about, which makes sense. Uh, Sullivan Absher and Monroe Freeling, who is from South Carolina, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, goes to Oceanside Academy, top 50 national player, one of the arguably the best pure left tackle in the class. Some mm-hmm. you may you may not consider Samson Oklahoma a pure left tackle. That's a that's a fair conversation. I, I do. Uh, but he's at the at worst the number two pure left tackle in the class, top fifty recruit, outstanding player. Him and Sullivan Absher both visited Notre Dame twice, both times that they've been on campus in twenty twenty two. They both they came together both times, not together together, but they visited the same weekend. And my understanding is that was sort of on purpose. So they are friends. They are they do know each other well. Same with Sam Pendleton, although Absher and and Freeling are a little tighter. So. It's interesting, if I'd have told you a month ago that they're only going to get one of those two players, we would have said, oh, of course, it's going to be Freeling. And, you know, it wouldn't have been Absher. So I think it's huge for Notre Dame to have actually already landed the guy that we were most concerned about whether or not Notre Dame could get. But Monroe Freeling is a very, very, very important piece of this puzzle, Ryan, because as you have said, he's the best pure left, really the only pure left tackle on the board. Right. And that is a very important position in this class for Notre Dame. No, nah, it really is because um, you, you need to start kind of forecasting to the future a little bit, right? And he is the guy that at 6'7", 285, 290 pounds, he is the best pure left tackle on the board for Notre Dame. I mean, easily. He is a really good athlete, moves well in space, got a little bit of a mean streak to him too, Good good length. Everything is there for a – Monroe Freeling to be a pure left tackle. And he is a kid that I mean, he's a national recruit. He's been out to Oregon. He's got all the, the, you know, Clemson, North Carolina, all that, that area schools, Notre Dame into the big 10 country. He's got mm-hmm. Alabama offer recently. So this kid is a big time player. There's no doubt about it. And he is a outstanding, he is a advanced pass blocker at his age right now. And he has a frame where again, 280 something right now, and he looks a little skinny. Like he's mm-hmm. gonna be three something easy. Yeah. He's got a good he's lower a, and half. he's a basketball player. So once that exactly. stops, you're gonna see the weight take off. Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. He's gonna be a he's gonna be another big kid, but he's I, I think that he has a substantial room to grow and not sacrifice any of his foot quickness. Like I, I don't think that he's gonna have any problem putting on weight. And I could see him being, you know, after the Joe Walton, Blake Fisher guys, you know, leave in a couple of years. I could see him being the next great offensive tackle at Notre Dame. I think he has that type of potential if Notre Dame is able to land him. So I, I we talked a little bit in our first show today. 
about our guys in this class, Monroe Freeling might be my number one. Yeah. Since I first watched this film, yeah. I'm just like, that kid, That there's something special yeah. there. There's and, yeah. and whether he winds up at Notre Dame or he doesn't, I think he's going to be a special player on the college level. Well, and I'll be honest, I, as I, I think I've said this before in the show, Ryan, but when I first heard about Monroe Freeling, I was like, okay, 6'7", 285, pure left tackle, basketball player. I kind of had a, an opinion of what he was going to be. Like, we all do it. We have first impressions before you even do it, before you even watch a kid. And so – I went into his film session expecting to see this really athletic kid that's just going to be this modern-day left tackle and that he's a great pass blocker and just an okay run blocker. That's Ronnie Stanley, and that he was pretty good. you know. And that's just kind of how, how it is. But when I watched his film, I think that was the thing that surprised me the most. That's a physical kid. Like, he's got to get stronger, but he battles, and he is tough. And he's got some pop to him. And I think that was the biggest surprise for me because – the athleticism just jumps off the screen. I mean, you watch him play basketball, you watch him play football, whatever it is, you're like, this kid is an athlete. This kid is a, this kid can dance, right? This kid can move on the offensive line and mirror and the quickness and all that kind of stuff is just elite. And then you add in the toughness and the physicality with a frame that's going to blow up once he stops playing basketball. And it's very easy to see why Notre Dame is all over this kid. And now it's about closing. Right. And and that's going to be the th- that's going to be the concern for me. I know you've always felt even better about this one than I have. I think Notre Dame's in a great place. I just don't think they're in the kind of place where they have a lead that's insurmountable. That's that's my thing. You know, like Bama offered recently, that doesn't necessarily like Notre Dame fans. It's 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 well, just because, the you know, Alabama's the, you know, the boogeyman that everybody's concerned about. But, you know, that's the one position where Alabama can't look at Notre Dame and say, well, we do a better job of doing this than they do. Nope. You can't say that, right? I mean, that not since Harry Heastan's been in Notre Dame. So maybe they get involved, maybe they don't. Uh, but Clemson's a legitimate player. He likes Florida. I mean, there's a lot of schools involved in him. He released a top seven recently. I think Michigan was part of that as well. That's going to be another L for them. I don't know if he's going to definitely pick Notre Dame, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to pick Michigan. So they've got work to do. They've definitely got work to do. But the nice thing is now they have two kids in his backyard who are both like two and a half hours away from him that are both going to be able to kind of say, hey, you know, come join us. And that adds even more importance to the Sam Pendleton, Sullivan Sullivan Absher um, commitments, Ryan, is I'm actually looking up the distance now. Mm -hmm. Having two guys that he knows that are sort of in his backyard is super important. So Sam Pendleton is about four hours away from him. Excuse me. I was incorrect on that. And then uh, Sullivan Absher is a, a little under four hours away. So they're two and a half hours away from Clemson. That's where I got the two and a half hours from. So right in their backyard, they've gone on visits together to multiple places. That's going to help Notre Dame. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about he stand. It's got to be about Chad Bowden. It's got to be about Marcus Freeman. It's got to be about Tommy Reese. They've got to really turn up the heat because now the nice thing is now that Pendleton and Absher on board, that's just fewer guys you've got to really con, you know convince. Now, now your conversation with them are, hey, let's help us get this. And Monroe Furling is a big part of that. Another big part of that, a very, very important part of that, in my opinion, is Charles Jagasaw. Mm-hmm. And so Brandon Plesner is as confused as we are. Okay, I thought it was Jagusa. I'm confused now. How do you say it? It's Jagasaw. So we were told that it was Jagusa. Right. So we had been saying Jagasaw for a long time. We changed it to Jagusa. And then we heard Charles doing an interview with Tom Lemming. And he said, hi, I'm Charles Jagasaw. I was pissed. 
So um, I'm never going to listen to anybody ever again. I'm just going to go with my Brian, own thing I, from now on. <laughs> I never told you this, man, but remember when I went on that podcast to talk a little Notre Dame recruiting a, a few weeks ago, right? That was before we had heard that it was Jagusa. And the host of that show said, yeah, it's Notre Dame. Like, how's Notre Dame with, with Charles Jagusa? And I'm like, mm-hmm. Charles Jagusa? It's yeah. pretty good. And then I felt so bad after that, yeah. after I found out, because I was like, oh, my God, did I just tell him the wrong yeah. pronunciation? And then I found out that we were right we, the whole time. We were right all along. Should have trusted you know? our gut. But it is Should've. Charles Jagusa, and he is also a very, very, very important recruit for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think he does. He's a, there's several reasons why. One is he's really talented. I mean, he's 6'6", 290, 295, just went like, was like 49-0, and 0, won a state championship in wrestling. He is uh, somewhat, you know, he's your backyard kid. He's from Illinois. You have to get your backyard kids. He is a guy that you're battling arguably your 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 biggest slash on off-field rival in, in the Midwest in Michigan, right? And he's a guy that, that to me, also brings in that disposition we talked about. Like, Charles is a kid that needs a lot of work technically. He's had, you know, missed his sophomore year because of the COVID rules, so he couldn't play Mm -hmm. there. Decided not to transfer like a lot of people from his high school. He wanted to be loyal to his high school, uh, Alamo Catholic. They went through a coaching chain. So it's been a lot of turmoil on the field for him. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But, man, this kid's talented. I mean, he's ranked by on three as the number seven player in the country. I'm not ready to go there yet. But that that top 50 to 70 range is a no-brainer. And he's only that low because of the technique. He needs a lot of work technically. But 6'6", 295, athletic, physical. That yep. You want to talk about a guy that brings the disposition like Sullivan Absher? It's Charles Jagasaw. And that, that, to me, is just another indication that it's clear – it's very clear that Harry Heastand is not just trying to bring in talented players and he's recruiting the whole, we'll, t- we'll br- recruit a bunch of tackles and figure out where to play them. You know, because a reminder who people don't know this, Notre Dame starting offensive line in, in 2020, that was one of the best in the country. And Notre Dame starting offensive line in 2017, that won the Joe Moore Award, were all guys that played offensive tackle in high school, with the exception of Sam Mustafer, were recruited to play offensive tackle initially at Notre Dame. So that's just kind of what he's always been. But he's that kid, Ryan, that fits that mold of, I want people that are going to be mean and nasty and physical. And we're not talking about mean as in dirty. We're talking about mean as in like, I want to beat you up every play. It's the Quentin Nelson. It's how Quentin Nelson was. It's how McGlinchey was. You know, it's it's just that's the that, it's how Zach Martin was and is. Yes, there's technique involved. But if you, you've got to have that foundation of toughness, physicality, and a desire to punish people and, mm-hmm. and Sullivan Absher has it and Charles Jagasaw has it and it makes him a very very important piece of this puzzle if anybody wants to tell me that Charles Jagasaw has the most upside of any offensive lineman on the board I would not argue with you I mean the kid is like you said six six right around 300 pounds a little bit less and great hands great feet they're all there technically he's not there from a from a football playing perspective but long term I mean I want to talk about the cleanest frame, Brian. We've talked about a couple of guys today that we think could be 300 plus, 310, maybe even, you know, in, maybe for a Sullivan Absher, 315 possibly. I could see Charles Jagasaw being 330 pounds and yeah. still having his athleticism. Like, I think this kid, I keep comparing him to him because it just reminds me of him so much. I think he's Trey Smith. Like, they, he mm. just reminds me so much of Trey. I Trey could play offensive tackle. 
But long term, he was just a bully inside for Tennessee. Like that's what I mm-hmm. see with Charles Jagasaw. I think that he can play outside, but I think that hit just the temperament, the physicality, the hand strength. Like there's just so much there from a physical perspective, and he is a really talented player. I mean, yeah, he could ha- he could be. He has upside mm-hmm. of an All American yeah. at Notre Dame. Like he has that no type doubt. of upside if they land him. He and, is, a really and he fits. Talented. He yep. fits. It's like. Pendleton's the inside guy for Freeling would be the pure tackle. And between, between Absher and, and um, Jagasaw, it's like one of those is going to be a tackle when I'm a guard, unless you get Elijah page to go with them. And then maybe he's the tackle and you have Absher and Jagasaw guard. I mean, so the, the point is, is they fit together. Yep. And you're not just signing five guys, four guys, you know, the, the four we've talked about and they're all left tackles and hopefully somebody can do something different. You know, it's, they can play multiple positions. And and the common themes are what? Athleticism, length, power, versatility. Those are the four things that Harry Heastan has always looked for. Those are the four things those three kids bring to the table. And it's a thing where if you want to talk about the dream class of offensive linemen, it's these two kids have to be a part of it. There, there's no question. Now, as far as need, I think mm-hmm. their name needs at least one of them. Needs at least one of them. Yeah. If they're going to have the offensive line class that they're capable of. Ideally, is you really throw your weight around and get both of them. Sure. And I would actually argue right now that you, well, I would be curious to hear right now whether who you think Notre Dame right now today has the best chance to land. It's a good comparison. It's a good question. I, I, I think that the, it's trending better for Freeling than Jagasaw, if that makes sense. Like, I think that they have been in better spot with Jagasaw that comparative to Freeling, but I think that you were going from a, heavy battle with Freeling to now being a slight leader for Freeling. And I think that you've just kind of stayed stagnant with Charles Jagasaw. I think he likes mm-hmm. Notre Dame. I still think Notre Dame is the leader, but how things have trended makes me a little more confident in Freeling because when you're closing on a player, I'm much like exponential growth, right? And I don't mm-hmm. think there's been exponential growth with a guy like a Charles Jagasaw. I think you're kind of just in the same spot you've always been, but it hasn't closed for whatever reason. So I'm a little more confident in Freeling. Ultimately, I think they're going to have a good chance of getting both. And I know that's yeah. a dream scenario, but I sure. think it's I think it's realistic. It's doable. Yeah, it's doable. I think you could make a case that they are at least one A or one B for both. And I would say they're the clear leader. I would still say that I still feel better about Jagasaw, just because of the local aspect. He's a local. I mean, he's a backyard kid, and I think that helps him at the end of the day. Sure, Freeling. I I, I've, I love your confidence on it. I just. Maybe it's a little bit of BK PTSD. You know, it could be that where it's like, I believe when I see it, you know, an elite five-star type of kid from the Southeast, you know, I believe when I see it. And it's just not an area where Notre Dame has had a great track record in the past. Of course, I'm saying that as they have two Carolina kids already committed in the the offensive line. So two I, I, out I, of three now, baby, yeah, two yeah. out of three. And, and, you know, I think that's big. I think it's because as we talked about recently on shows, and I'll say it again today, it's not just that they're landing top players. It's that they're landing top players that that other big time schools aren't getting now. They're not like like when they when they landed Zach Martin, basically it was like Iowa's looking for him now. That, that's why Iowa develops big time offensive linemen because if Iowa doesn't offer a Midwestern kid, you should ask yourself why and be concerned. Right. I mean, it, that's, that's, it's, it's Iowa, Notre Dame. There's not an offer in the Midwest to a Midwestern kid I care more about than those two. Right. And, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like 
Ohio State and Alabama and you know other schools like that were were after him and and you go get them and you know I mean it's just you know as as I hold on a sec. Oh, sorry. Dick, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Oh. I, I wasn't looking at the screen. Sorry. My apologies. So wh- what was I talking about? Because I that I, I just was getting ready to choke. You lost so, my train of thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> but so by your, anyway. By your episode. Um, so w- when I look at Freeling, I just feel like, I, f- I still feel like the the not being regional thing is I just I want to see him finish. The point was is they weren't they didn't like a lot of these guys like you know Freeling or I mean uh Martin and those guys they weren't necessarily going out of their region. It was a local kid. They right. weren't battling the big schools for some of those guys. Uh this is one I I hoping that they get maybe it's a little bit of BKPTSD but I, I feel I feel like I just want to see them I just want to see it. Now good news is he's coming back. He's gonna be back again for yes. a visit. Yep. So it's not like you've got a hopefully he's got four or five more visits going and, and you've had your shot. They get another shot with him. So sorry you know, about that. Else, I was getting ready to choke. So I, 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 I think, know. I think what's key too for them, Brian, I want to see if you agree with this, with the pace and the trajectory that they've come now with Monroe Freeling, in my opinion, to be, you know, if not the leader, very close. I, he's been a player that's talked a lot about, I'm not in a rush. I'm going to go into my senior season with the commitment, that type of thing. Potentially, potentially. Potentially, right. If they're able to speed that up a little bit now that they're really gaining the grounds, I feel like if that one ends within the next month or so, then I'll feel really good about Notre Dame's chances. But that's one where we talk about the timing of things. If that one lasts a long time, I'm not sure I feel as good about Mm -hmm. it. But I think with with the pace they're on, if they're able to close that one within a month, then that would be that would be substantial for me. Like the end of June, if they're able yeah. to get him in the class. Yeah, or at least by July. Just make a preseason right. decision. I think that's the key. I think I think that's gonna be Notre Dame's thing is like, look, man, we love you. We want to have you, but we need five offensive linemen and we got some good guys on the board. We can't afford to we can't afford to turn down Elijah Page or Joe Otting because you want to take this into your season and then we miss out on you and now we're screwed. You know, I mean, I think that's got to be the pitch to him. Uh, if you feel like you're there, you got to feel like you're there. You got to feel like he wants to commit, but he just, for some reason, wants to go through the process. I mean, it was about this time a year ago that that we were talking about C.J. Williams and and Tobias Merriweather wanting to go into their seasons as well. So, you know, I think that third visit, I think Absher being in the class helps. I think if they can continue to add top players to the class, it's kind of like, hey, man, we we, we you know, we got to know. Because that that's where Notre Dame gets interesting. Is like, okay, if you go into the season, let's say they get Jagasaw this summer, and you want to take five, and they're going to have Elijah Page, and I imagine Joe Wadding is going to visit this summer as well. You talked to him and his coach recently. Is he planning yep. on being on he's, campus in June? Yep, June fourth is Joe Wadding is coming to town. Yep. He's a kid that I was pushing for as well. Yes, you say so. Let's say Elijah Page and Joe Wadding both want to come, and you get Jagasaw. I mean. You either got to tell you got to you either got to say okay we're willing to go to six if Freeling wants to come or you're gonna have to tell somebody no, and that's a really risky proposition to be in because you know obviously Monroe Freeling is is an absolute stud but you you can't afford to miss on on him you can't turn down Elijah Page because you're waiting on you know Monroe Freeling 
right. then you get neither one of them. So it's gonna it's gonna be inter- it's gonna make June very very interesting. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully, as you said, you feel you feel as Notre Dame, you, you feel good enough about where you stand coming on that visit that you know one way or the other, hey, he's not reacting the same way he was in April and January. That's right. your say. Okay, we're gonna go make the move. Uh, but you know we'll we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to see how it all plays out. Elijah Page and Joe Otting are the other two kids on the, on the board. Mm-hmm. Elijah Page has never been to Notre Dame, so it's hard to really say where they stand. I know he he likes Coach Heastan. Marcus Freeman's been, according to Elijah, Coach Freeman's been very involved in his recruitment as well, which is a good sign of, of what Notre Dame thinks about him. He'll be on campus the weekend of June 3rd to 5th for his official visit. This is one where, honestly, Ryan, I like this kid. He's a pure tackle. Same. Not that he, you know, anyone that's a pure tackle can play guard. It's just this is a kid that is a natural. I mean, the athleticism is there. The length is there. He says he's now up to like 290 now, which means he's put on some weight. Or is, uh, what? Yeah, uh, 290 now. He's put on some weight. He's a really talented kid, fundamentally sound, just is going to need some time. And he's not as naturally powerful as some of the other guys on the board. He's more of a – that's why partly why I mean pure tackle. Just He's more athlete, technician, pass pro mm-hmm. kind of guy. Very good yeah. player for me. He's a take for me. I mean, I, I really like the kid. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's got an interesting list. He's going to be going to Michigan State. There's some other programs on the board for him. But he's a guy that Notre Dame obviously likes. And then there's Joe Otting, who's mm-hmm. a kid that they just offered. And there's nothing about that kid that you – that you know, take the film aside, there's nothing about that kid that entices me. 6'4", 270, 275, mm-hmm. three-star kid. He's got the Iowas and schools like that on his list. But then you're looking like, why are they offering a kid from – is it like Topeka, Kansas? Topeka, Like, yep. seriously, three-star kid from Topeka, Kansas? What are they doing? <laughs> then you pop in the film, and you're like, oh. Then you watch him play basketball, and he's doing, like, pump fakes at the three-point line and taking dudes to the rim. You're like, okay, yep, I get it now. Yep. He is a strong, athletic kid, Ryan. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not a three star. I'm sorry, that kid's no. a, that's he's a good football player, undersized. He's two sixty five, two seventy. He's a pure interior guy, right? But he is an athletic, physical. I mean, he's got some punch. He reminds me of a bigger version of Trevor Rulin coming out of high school. Now, I like Trevor Rulin a lot. Bigger, more athletic version of Trevor Rulin. I like Trevor Rulin coming out of high school a lot. He was a heck of a high school football player. Mm-hmm. The concern and the question with Trevor was, can he, can he add the weight and stay and, and add the weight and strength necessary and stay healthy? And Trevor couldn't. The more he put the weight on, the more injuries he's had, and it just depleted the power that he had as a high school kid. That's going to be my one question with Joe Otting. That's why they didn't offer him right away. Because Coach Eastan needed to go out there and see him face to face and size him up. What kind of frame does this kid have? Does right. can he do all those kind of things? And he did, and it immediately offered. Yes. So this is a kid that they like a lot. So this is not your typical three star kid. If you haven't, and we'll 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 probably do a breakdown at some point in time of him one of these nights. I'm going to do a recruiting show. But if you haven't watched the film, watch it because this is a physical, athletic kid and if you really want to have some fun and you're a real film junkie like this dude and that dude watch his basketball film (laughs) that was even more impressive to me because like when we talk about these other guys who play basketball they're like bigs that can score like Monroe Freeling's doing his damage around the rim and 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 um you know same thing with Devin Houston this kid is legitimate like all conference basketball he's dropping he's banging threes Mm -hmm. I mean you've you've seen it right he's hitting three you're the one that sent it to me actually 
Yes. He's hitting yep. threes. He's literally off the dribble, taking dudes to the rim, doing pull-ups. He's leading fast breaks. A 6'4", 265-pound offensive lineman. This is an athletic kid, man. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because when I spoke to his coach, and I have a piece on it at Irish Breakdown if you want to go take a look. just It's a little more in-depth about – You'll have a a second part coming out tomorrow. Yeah, the second one tomorrow is going to be fun, everyone, because you're going to see a little bit of the athletic uh, breakdown of him. I mean, basically, like Brian said, he's a really talented kind of finesse player on the basketball court. Like, he's not just like your typical – big offensive lineman playing basketball like he has some skill to him from shooting and dribbling and it's pretty impressive stuff actually and then you watch he's a he's a track athlete too he throws a shot put he's up near 48 foot in shot put so he's got some explosiveness he's got some physicality in that in that regard and he's one of those other kids that we talked about with Monroe Freeling being able to add a a ton of weight when he stops playing basketball I mean Joe Otting's already up to 275 pounds since basketball season ended so he's a kid that his coach thinks because he just turned 16 years old as a high school junior. He's a young junior. Mm-hmm. This kid could potentially grow another inch or so. But I mean, I think he could add, add a substantial amount of weight because if he's 275 on film and or 270, 275, somewhere in that ballpark on film, he looks very skinny. But the one yeah. thing about him is good athlete, kid can move, flexibility is good. And we talked about the trend set uh, and the uh, tone centers type of guys. That kid's film, man. He is an mm-hmm. aggressive, yeah. physical, physical blocker. So I agree. The upside, I think, is tremendous. I think that kid's a center all day, every day. Like, I think that he's going to be a really good center on the college level. And I could care less about what the star ranking is on him. I mm-hmm. watched him, and I'm just like, yep, that's a really good player. Same thing with Elijah Page, who, you know, we yeah. skipped over a little bit. He's a three-star by, I yeah. think, basically every platform. That dude's that not kid, a three-star football player. Absolutely not. He's a really good athlete, offensive tackle type, and he's really advanced from a pass-blocking perspective. He's got good feet, good understanding of leverage. Like, power needs to improve, but, I mean, you can do that. Like, you can improve the power profile. That kid's a really good player. So I think there's a couple impressive players. And the, the thing for me, Brian, is if you do get your dream class where you're able to get Jagas off your Notre Dame and Freeling, now the conversation goes, do you want Otting? Or do you want Paige? And right. that is an interesting one because they're very yeah. different players. Very different. I mean, my thing is to be, who do you want? Um, Odding or Paige? I'm like, yep. I mean, who who wants to be on board? Who wants to come? Right? I mean, that's my thing is I'd take whoever wants to come. Because if you get Freeling, you've got your left tackle. Right? And and that's why kind of part of me wonders if maybe I might lean towards Odding in that situation. But honestly... I say odding right this second because it's just the first thing that pops in my head. If you ask me in 15 minutes, I'll probably say Paige. They're both really good football players, and it's it's a win-win. And I think the fact, and this is what we kind of said earlier, like if you get Freeling and you got Paige, you've got two pure tackles. I could easily see one of those other two guys moving inside and being elite guards, and, and you'd have the makeup of a really, really impressive offensive line. And and then if you get Freeling and 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 you think either Jagasaw or some or Absher can be tackles, so let's say you you know you're gonna have uh, Jagasaw out at tackle or Absher inside or vice versa, and you get Odding, then he's inside at center, and you've got Sam Pendleton who's a guard. I think part of me kind of part of me kind of leans towards like the the case for I could make a case for both. I just made the case for Page about the two tackles. The case for Odding would be I think Notre Dame likes him as a center. And right now, I think I think that that Sam Pendleton is is probably right now a, a group of Absher, Jagasaw, Pendleton, Page, and Freeling 
would be Pendleton would be the center if that's a five man group. And and I and I like him as a potential center option, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I kind of like him more at guard. If you're to get Odding, you would then have Freeling and either Jagasaw or or Absher at tackle. You'd have the other one at guard. You'd have Pendleton at guard, and now Odding at center. And I like that makeup a lot more. So the the point I said, Ryan, you had to step away. I said if I had to take Absher, or, or, I mean uh, Pedro Odding, like my initial gut was Odding. And then I talked myself into Page, and then back to Odding, and that's kind of how it would be. Like either one, take them both if you could. If you can't, then then I don't care which one first one wants to come because they're both really good football players, and they do things differently, and they're both pretty good athletes. But if I had to err on the side of it, I'd man, if I had to make an answer, I'd like right now I'd probably take Odding just because I like the makeup of it. it assuming you get Freeling, right? Yeah. So. I- yeah, see, I, I I can talk myself into either side. I think they're both really good players. I would probably actually take Page just because I I prefer taking tackle types, mm-hmm. and especially if you have an Absher and a Jagasaw who could fit inside a guard, like because you really be... think they're both more guards, and I think that's what it comes down to it for me. I think yeah, I yeah, see I... Jagasaw in as more of a tackle than you do. That's fair, and I think that's that fair. I think that it, it if but if I believed what you believed about Jagasaw, Ryan. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you on Page. Yeah, because it's, it's, you you definitely have two tackles for sure if you get Page and Freeling. Oh, point. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I'm just I I always try to project to where I think a player would be best. So it's really no shot against a Charles Jagasaw that I think he'd be a better inside of guard because I think he could play tackle. I feel the same way about Sullivan Absher. It's just if my line is at its absolute best, where do I feel like those guys are at their highest peak and highest potential? I feel like Jagasaw could just be an all-American type guard. Like I think he mm-hmm. could be that type of player. But either way, get good football players. Let Harry Heastan work his match. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's not a wrong answer there, though, Ryan. That's the whole point. That's the point of what we're saying. And I and I'd be willing to bet you in a week from now, if that question got answered again, we might both give the opposite answer. Ryan might start advocating for Joe Odding, and I'd start advocating for Elijah Page. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point, right? It's just. They're both good football players, and I can talk my way into thinking that both of them are the best thing for Notre Dame. Well, if if I if you if you just have me watch Odding basketball highlights, I'll pick him every time right afterwards. I mean, right. there's no doubt that's, about that. that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's the thing that's impressive. If if you if you're a film person like we are, I'm just telling you, you gotta watch this kid's film, and you've gotta watch, you gotta watch this kid play basketball. I mean, it's a really watch the football first. I don't care what the kid does in the basketball court if he can't play football. He can play football, and well, then you got to watch him there. So they're on love, the verge of – go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say I love watching Odding because, I mean, they, his offense really gets him out in space a ton, man. And you see, like, the athlete he is, but then, I mean, he wrecks dudes on the second level, man. Like, he's just so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Ryan, I want to get in some questions here. So we've kind of wrapped up that that offensive line situation. Let's get to some questions here as we as we wrap this up. Uh, really appreciate everybody that's been a part of the, both of these shows today. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, first of all, I got a I got Matt Lass. Brian, your choking episode was eerily reminiscent of Brian Kelly coaching a top ten matchup. Dang, <laughs> dang, <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Very, very well played. We do have a couple of super chats. K Grant with another one had one earlier. I appreciate you very much, K Grant. I need to know how much Mountain Dew I owe Brian and the staff for today's Intel. So I don't know. I think you're an annual member. So uh you've already paid your $49.99 towards the uh the the Brian Driscoll Mountain Dew fund. So <laughs> you're the, you're there already, buddy. We appreciate you, and uh, you always go above and beyond, and it's very much appreciated. But yeah, a lot of great intel on the message board today, everybody. You're going to really enjoy this, and this is why you needed to be uh, a member of the Irish Breakdown message board because there was no question based on the intel that Ryan and I put out on Saturday of the Blue Gold game. There was not really a doubt about the the fact that this kid was going to be in the class. Is there's a way to do it without you know doing the crystal ball and the and that type of thing, but you knew that where Notre Dame still was Sullivan Absher. Really, if if you're an Irish Breakdown member bef- on or before April 23rd, you you knew where this one was going and you knew the backstory. It's another reason you need to sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Definitely, definitely worth it. Frank G with a super chat. Thank you very much, Frank. Brian's reaction to the education comment was priceless. I shouldn't <laughs> have laughed like that because I mean, kind of, you know, I think Ryan, like you said, but it just it just struck me as funny. That, that, that you know what did it come down to well it really you know because it wasn't just that he said education kids kids say that but it's almost like the way he said it was like giving it away you know it yeah. really comes down to education and well how close how how important is staying close home well it was important at first well it's not important now apparently you know I mean, yeah just, he was like he was like oh yeah <laughs> my parents will will support me wherever i go they don't need me to stay close home. i'm like all right can we- can we just get to it now, guys? He's kind of your, your poor kid's going to give it away before he gets to do the commitment. So, um, but really loved it. Really, really good kid. Really lighthearted kid. Um, but that that's why I laughed. So I apologize for that. But I just I just couldn't help myself because it just was really funny. You know, it, it was just really funny, and uh, I thought that was good. Uh, Toe Jam ninety nineteen ninety two had a really funny comment. Just came up. He goes, "Hey, hello, Coach Freeman." This is Will Shipley. Can you please let me transfer to Notre Dame and run behind Coach Eastan's line? Sorry, buddy. You had your chance. You had your chance. It's it's now time for the guys that wanted to be here. So yep. here we go. We got some more here. DC Irish, one, two, one, three. Do you guys think Eastan will land the best O-line class in the country this year? They'll have a shot. Yeah. They'll have a shot. They've got to get Jagasson Freeling, though. That's the key. Because they're both top 50 kids, basically. And, and Jagasaw's ranking is only going to go up from the other places as he goes into senior year. Absher's a four-star kid. Pendleton's a four-star kid. I think they need to go to five. But if they get Jagasaw and Freeling, it's going to be hard for any one team to, to have a better five-man class. They'll be in the top three for sure if they land both of those. 
Yeah. But they have a shot. I mean, it's it's kind of wild, Ryan. There, there's at least there's at least, and we talked about this the other. There's at least two or three position groups where Notre Dame has a chance to land the best group in the country. Yeah, I mean that's 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 imp- I mean, both lines, right? Mm-hmm. Both lines have a chance. Safety group, mm-hmm. right? If you want to go whole secondary, no, but safety group potentially. Although I don't see it because I don't see them getting Caleb Downs. Although the one two punch they have now is really really good, and then maybe receiver. I mean that might be another one where they have a shot. Maybe maybe linebacker too. Linebacker if they get Jaden Osbury and Nimpembo, or at least one of those two, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I'd say even more so Osbury because I think he's the one that you for sure feel will play linebacker. But yeah, that's top two, two top fifty players right there. So I mean, yeah, and that's four different position, five different position groups really, where you could say they have a shot to some degrees a better shot than others of having the best group in the country at that position, and that's uh. It just speaks, speaks volumes about what this staff is doing on the recruiting trail. And and Michael, uh, my, my guy Michael, says it very clearly. I have honestly never experienced this avalanche volcanic eruption as it pertains to Notre Dame recruiting. This is truly impressive watching all of this unfold. Saying I'm fired up is an understatement. And it's May. It's May 13th. You know, I mean, they've got 13 commitments, and every single one of them, according to, to rivals, is a, a four- or five-star kid. I mean, it's every single kid they have except for Sam Pendleton is ranked in the top 200 by at least one recruiting. No, there's two. Sam Pendleton and Cedric Irvin are the only two that don't rank in the top 200, according to one recruiting service, at least one That's recruiting crazy. service. That's crazy. And when you look at like top 100, so it's – it's Flanning is not anymore, but you got Braylon James. You've got Sullivan Abshaw on offense. You've got Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, Bubakar Traore, Peyton Bowen, Drake Bowen. So that's seven mm-hmm. of the 13 commits now that are ranked in the top 100 by at least one recruiting service. I don't think I'm – because Zinter's not, Devin Houston's not. No. Pendleton's not. Mm-hmm. The running back – or Cedric Urban's not. Cooper Flanagan was, but he dropped not down anymore. to like 108. Right. right? So he's right. just outside. Don Schuler's not. But it, it's – and you could make a case that maybe he could be when it's all said and done if he keeps developing the way he has. So it's Agreed. it's really impressive, Ryan. It's really impressive. Uh, Town I, Townie Iris says Monroe Freeling, where you at is my new call out. Uh, that was that really needs to cool. be on a shirt. That needs that to be was really shirt. cool. I, I like that was like he's like so he was like hey Monroe Freeling, where you at? Like, he had no shame calling out his boy and saying come with me. I absolutely loved it. Yep. Sid Irish asked Brian, how real is the fear from other coaches that Notre Dame has a legit recruiting staff? I mean, Sid, I've I've been talking about this for a while. I, I said this when Brian Kelly was still the head coach. And, and I said this during the coaching search, and I'll say it again now. I have talked to Division One Power Five coaches that have flat out said that our biggest fear is Notre Dame hiring a coach that actually recruits. And, and I've had people tell me that the reason that Brian Kelly always gets such rave reviews and those you know unnamed sources is because people want him here as long as possible. I remember talking to someone at one particular power five school. That's a relatively regular in the, in the, in the playoffs are like, man, we never go against Notre Dame ever. Like when we see a kid talk about Notre Dame, he goes like, as soon as they know where we want the kid, they back off. And that started to change a little bit last year. No. And this is, this is what he said. He goes, the only guy that ever would was willing to battle us was Harry. That's what he said. And Harry beat him for Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer and Jimmy Byrne and Sam Mustafer. He's like, nobody else is willing to battle us on that staff well now you've got 10 dudes that are willing to battle ohio state bama clemson you know georgia oklahoma usc they don't, texas they don't care 
and this is what's happening because people knew people knew what held Notre Dame back in the past, and the coaches that really know what's going on know that that's not a holdback anymore. They know that Notre Dame can get kids because they're seeing certain kids go to Notre Dame. Like, wait a minute, hold on a second. I've seen that kid's GPA. I've seen that kid's resume, that transcript. How's that kid getting in Notre Dame if if what people are saying is true? Because it's not that true. Like, like you can't just get a bunch of two twos in. I'm not saying that. But there's a lot more kids that you can get into school than people realize. The facilities are so much better now. The 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 you know the Notre Dame success is so much greater now. So there was this fear of if you hire a guy that that is really charismatic and really recruits hard and is personable, and if he hires a like-minded staff, Notre Dame is going to be a force. And and that's why I've said before that I've always felt Notre Dame was a sleeping giant. People ask me why are you so hard on Brian Kelly. This right here, what Marcus Freeman doing is exactly why, because it was never about what Notre Dame lacked; it was about Brian Kelly's lack of willingness to do the work. And you're seeing this staff do it. Marcus Freeman is doing it, so I can assure you, there are a lot of coaches worried. And the, and how you know is because the negative recruiting has ramped up big time during this recruiting cycle, and it's going to be even worse on 2024 kids, because people do not want a kid from their backyard, especially a public school kid going to, because there's kids like Joe Odding. Ryan had a quote in the story he put up today. What Catholic school kid doesn't want to go to Notre Dame, right? Like that's a thought mm-hmm. at some places, but that's not the same case of public schools and, and, and other things like that. So they don't want these public school kids from their backyard going to Notre Dame and being successful because they're afraid of what that's going to do. It's going to open up the floodgates. And so, yes, there's a lot of, a lot of concern, a lot mm-hmm. of concern here. Here's kind of a a segue. Like our 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 listeners are doing great segues with their questions today. Yes, Joe Aribe asks, of all the players committed in the 2023 class, how many would have either decommitted or not committed at all if Brian Kelly were still the coach? Hmm. There seems to be a different aura around the program. I mean, Braylon James is one, right? Like, yeah, he's probably not in the class if Brian Kelly is the head coach yeah. right now. I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, so if 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 Brian Kelly's still a coach, then are we assuming that Marcus Freeman is still the is still the defensive coordinator? I'd say so. I'd say so. so. I'd say most of the defensive staff would still would the defensive class would still be here. Now, I don't know if they'd have kept Keon Keeley. I don't. I I, I don't know if they would have kept him. They'd have kept Brennan Vernon. They'd have got Bubakar probably. I think the big difference is is I don't think they have either one of the offensive linemen right now. They probably – they may not have been able to get Devin Houston or Bubakar because Mike Elson would have taken Brooks Barr. Right. He wanted to take Brooks Barr before. And and Marcus Freeman, uh, my understanding, is, is nixed that. You know, nice player, but not not the kind of kid that they were looking for. So, I think – you know, I, I wonder about Peyton Bowen. I don't, I don't think they'd have Peyton Bowen. That's the one I would say. Mm-hmm. Because he would want the head coach to love on him, and, Mark, and Brian Kelly wouldn't have done that. Now Marcus Freeman is because he's the head coach now. He's one that I think would have flipped already or not committed at all. Because remember, he committed to Notre Dame after the fact. You got like Drake Bowen, Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, all in Adon Schuler, all committed to Notre Dame while Brian Kelly was still the head coach. Yep. Cedric Irvin, Cooper Flanagan committed while he was still the head coach. So mm-hmm. Braylon James, no. Peyton Bowen, I'm going to say no. Uh, the reason I, I don't think as many of them would have flipped is because Marcus Freeman. The Marcus, we saw what he could do with the defensive class last year. So maybe he would have kept Keon Keeley, but that's the one that I would have been a little bit more. I would have been a lot more nervous 
about Keon going somewhere else if Brian Kelly's the head coach because he would not have put in the work needed to keep him in the class. I, but you are now. I, I don't think – I mean, because if Brian Kelly's still the head coach and Harry Heastan's definitely not the offensive line. Right, coach, that's right? what I said. I don't so, think they have either one of the offensive line. Uh, yeah, class, no, that's, yeah. that's exactly the point I just wanted to reiterate is that, I mean, they definitely don't – because Sam Pendleton was a guy that was identified by Harry Heastan, so they probably yeah. never even offer him. And Sullivan, I didn't feel like the staff was in a great spot with Sullivan Absher before Harry he came He liked aboard, Notre Dame so. before Harry got right. here, but Notre right. Dame, he, they took it to another level. I think I'd say the one guy they missed on, missed on that I think they might have got if Kelly was still here is Austin Cerevelt. Think so? Yeah, because I think they would have prioritized him more than than this staff did. Gotcha. Because this staff liked other guys more, where the previous staff would have made a run at him because they'd have lost some other guys. Like they'd have known they weren't getting Absher. They wouldn't have had Pendleton on the board. I think they would have made a harder push for him, which I'm actually okay with because of all the kids we've talked about, he was would have been last on my list as far as from a ranking standpoint. Yeah. So very, very, very fair question. Christian Ritter Jr. asks, I know Notre Dame offered Caden Proctor. Why is he off the board? Do you think that he was overrated or just like feeling better? I don't think he's overrated. I I think he's a tad overrated. I don't think he's a top five to 10 kid, Ryan. I think he's a top 50 kid for sure. He's a good player. He's, yeah. he's probably a top 25 to 50 kid. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's There just wasn't the fit. It wasn't going to work. Good kid like Notre Dame. They liked him. It just wasn't going to work. And And I also think he's more of a – He's more of a right tackle to me than a left yeah. tackle in Notre Dame's offense. He he could be a left tackle in Bama's offense. He's but in Notre Dame's offense, I think he's more of a right tackle. He's more of a power guy as a right tackle. So it's more of him or Jagasaw. And honestly, I, I like Jagasaw's upside. But Caden Proctor right now is a heck of a player. He's one of the three or four best offensive linemen in the country right now. Mm-hmm. I just think he's closer to his ceiling than a Charles Jagasaw or a Monroe feeling is. I don't know if you feel the same, Ryan, that's- but that's how I feel about it. I, th- I think him and Jagasaur are kind of comparable players a little mm-hmm. bit. I think the power profile. I mean, like you said, Caden Proctor is ready to go right now, yeah. right? Like he's yeah. six six. He'll six, probably seven, be a freshman starter somewhere. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm just, hoping he goes to Iowa. I'm hoping yeah. he goes to Iowa and starts right away. To be honest with you, sorry, he's he's a physically well put together kid, though, man. He is very very physical. I agree with you. Though. I, I think he's a little linear. I don't think he's incredibly flexible. So. Mm-hmm. Right tackle probably versus left tackle, maybe inside yep. a guard long term. But like, yeah, physically he's a bully as a player. Yep. I, and I think that that if you if you ever seen Caden, he's just big. He he's got calves that are bigger than most people's thighs. He's just a big, big kid. He's not like a fat kid. He's not like he's six, seven, three hundred plus, and he's just big. But he's yeah. like that bully kind of guy. And I mean that as a compliment, right? And and he's, I think he's, he's an good. Iowa offensive line. Yes, he is. He's an Alabama, <laughs> yeah. Ohio, I mean Iowa kid. He really is. And so yeah. I hope I hope he goes to Iowa. I would love to see Iowa start having more success in that state and keeping some of those kids away from Alabama and Ohio State. But uh and, and I've always liked Kirk Ferentz as a coach who almost he was actually offered the job, the Notre Dame job before Brian Kelly was. A lot of people don't know that, but he was. Him and Bob Stoops both got offered the job, and then Kelly was next. So uh, it, it's a, a very interesting situation. L- last few questions, Ryan. Uh, 99 problems BK1 says, was the just like Rodney Gallagher comment a slip of the tongue? No, it wasn't because I don't think you heard it in the proper context. Ryan was – we were referring to a, being concerned that he would be a kid that would – we were worried about the the excitement wearing off after oh. he left. Gotcha. He thought you meant like – we were talking about Sullivan Absher. Is Rodney Gallagher committed too? Because we talked about Sullivan Absher. No. We were talking. The context of what Ryan was talking about was 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 jumping on what I had said to him at the time, which was, "I'm curious to see if he still feels this way when he gets home." 
100%. We're referring about that because what we have said is the Rodney Gallagher loved the visit to Notre Dame. Notre Dame became the leader at the time. Same with Jaden Greathouse, but I was a little bit more concerned about sticking with Rodney Gallagher than I was about Jaden Greathouse and other players. It was not a statement of saying he is committed because that's not the case in our opinion. So it was more of a that. So I just want to clarify so people understand the context of what Ryan was saying. It yes. was in that context of, of a concern that we had at the time of, is this going to last? And so far it has with Rodney Gallagher, I think. I think Notre Dame's in a good place, but there's officials yeah. coming up now. But it's a more of a concern. I was more concerned about how would Rodney Gallagher be feeling coming out of that visit than than I than I was uh, a Jaden Greathouse, right? Same thing with Monroe Freeling versus Sullivan Absher. Monroe Freeling's not committed to Notre Dame, but I felt more confident coming out of that weekend even though Absher had given a commitment, it was still a, okay, let's see how he feels. Cause he's also, we had heard that he'd silently committed to Clemson as well. So let's see how he feels and he gets back closer to home and, you know, gets all that kind of stuff. And that was where it was coming from. Uh, DC Irish one, two, one, three. Is this the last commit until June? Well, I'm not going to tell you the answer to that, but I will say this, that Jaden Lamar is a top target for Notre Dame, and he is set scheduled to make his decision on May 26th at 7 p.m. Yep. We will carry that live as well. He is down to, what was it, Ryan? It was Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon, and Arizona, correct? It's yes. his final four. Yep. Uh, we like where Notre Dame is at, but of course, there's still 13 days between now and then, so a lot can happen, but we do like where Notre Dame stands as of right now. I love every time Michigan's included in one of those. Yes, because I, I just like to see them take the L. I have always been very much against kids taking hats and throwing them on the ground. I don't like that. It really bothers me, except for one. Uh, and I'm only saying that for Antoine's benefit, uh, just to give Antoine a hard time, because I appreciate you. Antoine is our resident Michigan fan, and we appreciate you being part of the chat. We appreciate your super chat. Do you think the Notre Dame offensive line talent is a bit wasted on the zone blocking scheme? Do you think they should go to more of a power run? See, Antoine, I think kind of that that would make me think that maybe there's a misunder a miss. Some people have a misconception of the zone, and I think there's there's two types of zones in my opinion. It's like with anything; it's it's your scheme is one thing, but how do you implement it? Right? There are there are teams that run zone offenses that are very finesse. They focus on the fast swipe, right? Like the outside zone, the stretches and things like that. And it's about speed and spacing and all that kind of stuff. You'll see some air raid teams doing that. They get them super wide splits and then run outside zone and then mix it up with the, you know, the counters and the G the G wraps and things like that inside. And then there's sort of the inside zone that I think this was the misconception as a Broncos fan people had for years about the Broncos. Well, the Broncos are finesse offensive line. Go ask Gilbert Brown and Reggie White if the Broncos are finesse offensive line, right? And I think – it, the way that Harry Heastan teaches his specific uh, version of the of the inside zone and outside zone, Antoine, is a very physical pushing situation. So one thing that Notre Dame does every single day is they work on double teams and they work on – he has a philosophy that when they're doing drive blocks that during drills, you have to drive a guy 20 yards off the ball before you can stop. And the way that it's taught is it's more of a physical inside zone. It's more of a vertical push type of situation as opposed to – sort of the faster, the mid zone, the outside zone, which are more of getting with and trying to create an insertion point, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing that all the time, that is more of a finesse thing. And you could say, hey, you got a, some big physical offensive linemen. Should you really be doing that all day? What Harry Heastan has always thrived on, the what they did in 2015, what they did in 2017, 
is they were very much a we're trying to get vertical offensive line inside zone counter and then the buck sweeps and the outside zones were complements to the downhill running game right so i don't think it's wasting on them because i think that he likes length and athleticism because he emphasizes so greatly the the uh, the need to get a physical push on the double team to work that to that next level to get that movement off the line uh is really the key so it's a, it, uh, the way that Harry Heastan teaches it. No, it's not a waste at all. Do I think they should have probably run as much zone as they did the last few years under Jeff Quinn? No, because if you go back and watch Cincinnati, Cincinnati was not a zone team. They were a pin and pull team. And then they were a pin and pull team for their first two years at Notre Dame with Ed Warner, which is part of the reason they hired Ed Warner. Cause if you remember, he was a Mike Mangino and you know, he, and then when he left Notre Dame, he went to like, he went to Mich- he went to Ohio state at first, I believe. And again, there, they were a pin and pull team. That's what Jeff Quinn had always taught, pin and pull. And that doesn't require brute force. It's what a lot of air raid teams do, right? And so Jeff Quinn's trying to teach the Harry Heastan zone, and he doesn't understand or is not able to, to break the sort of the physical push off the line, right? It was more of a finesse. Well, you can't run inside zone all the day if you're going to be a finesse team. So in that instance specifically, I do think maybe in some ways they wasted the talent that they had, but I think that was more of a coaching problem than a scheme problem. It was someone who didn't know how to coach it. So it's a great question, Antoine, and I appreciate you answering. I appreciate you being part of the chat and and taking our Michigan bashing all in good fun. Uh, Very, very much appreciate that. Last couple. Sid Irish says no more taking 17 to 20 kids, take 25 every year. The transfer portal is real. To a degree, I agree with you, but hey, Notre Dame is sitting here in a situation right now where they are in a little bit of a nervous situation because they have too many kids on scholarship and not enough kids in the portal. Mm -hmm. Because the way the portal works now is if you don't jump in by May 1st, by the time that deadline's over, you have to sit out a year. Notre Dame was thinking some kids were going to jump in the portal and nobody did. So could that change after Marcus Freeman's first year and some of it wears off a little bit and all that? Sure, it could happen. But if Marcus Freeman continues to be who he is and continues to hire people that he hires, it's not going to be as easy to just process kids out. So you got to be a little bit smart about it. And the reality is, is if you're taking 25 every year, in the course of four years, you're going to have over 100 kids. Now, people say, wait a minute, four times 25, Brian, I know you went to public school, but but fifth-year players. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fifth year players are going to stay. So that means you're going to have to lose over 15 kids from classes. That's not super easy. That was a no brainer during Brian Kelly's tenure. Like you should never take in 17 to 20 because you were always going to lose kids. I don't know if that's the case now for Notre Dame. So there are going to be years where you're going to take small numbers. Clemson did it. I mean, you go look at Trevor, Trevor Lawrence's class did not finish in the top 10 because it was such a small class. That's all mm-hmm. they needed. It was because they had so many kids coming back. I mean, wasn't Christian Wilkins a fifth-year player? Didn't he come back for a fifth year even though he got a high draft? I think he might have. I think he was a fourth-year player. So, but, you know, because what, what was his last year uh, at, at Clemson? It was 2018, right? Yeah, he was, a, he was, yeah. yeah he was a four-year player. four-year player. But he was a guy that turned down the NFL to come back to Clemson and things like that. So you're going to yep. have that if, the, if it's a healthy program is my point. Mm-hmm. You know, Quentin Nelson coming back for a fourth year that doesn't happen often a kid because he was a first round pick after 2016. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, my thought. I agree with the spirit of what you're trying to say. 
maximize the number of kids you can get every year because the portal is a real thing. No more of this getting caught with being low on numbers of positions like we've seen in the past before the portal even opened up the way that it is. But it can't just be 25 every year at Notre Dame. It just can't. They're still working in a different universe of not processing kids that way. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that it would be an issue that not any kid wants to leave? I know, right? <laughs> like that's crazy to think right. about, that's especially funny. the way things have gone the last the last few years. So anyway, I just wanted to to answer that question before we got out of here. So that is going to do it for today's show, everybody. For both of today's shows, right? So I thank you all so much for being a part of what we did today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, really, really good stuff. And uh, just a, the Mike said it earlier. Mike, my guy, Mike said it earlier. Ryan about just I've I haven't seen anything like this in in my adult life. I've never seen Notre Dame on this kind of run in my adult life. Where not only are they at thirteen in the way they are, but it's one of those things, Ryan, where it's like you know they're not even close to being done. That's the crazy. Like okay, well they landed all their top players. Now it's like how are you going to fill it out? No, it's like dude. You still have this five star and this top 50 kid and that other kind of thing. And, you know, it's just it's an impressive thing. And, man, it's been fun. It's been fun to cover. So we they're definitely not done. You're going to want to join the message board. as my guy. Mace AK says hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast and leave us a five star review. And as always, the most important piece. Go Irish. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. Sign up for the message board and. We will be back with you again soon. Thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.